It's Wednesday, April 4th, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Topeka, Kansas. Well, one of our very first implementers of Families Count outside of Birmingham and outside of Alabama was Countryside Christian Church here in Topeka. Pastor Nate Bruns and his wife, Julia, have been such champions for the ministry because as foster parents themselves, they've seen firsthand the devastation and hurt that can be placed on children because of being separated from their families. Families Count uh, is the ministry that Lifeline uses to equip the church to teach, mentor, and to support families who are either at risk of losing their kids to foster care or have already lost their kids to foster care to help them fight and to be prepared to get their children back. Well, Dr. Rick was able to sit down with Nate and Julia recently at Lifeline's Family Count Conference to hear about their experience with Families Count. Today I'm joined by um, by Nate and Julia Bruns, um, who are um, from Topeka, Kansas. Nate is the pastor of Countryside Christian Church. Um, they are one of the first implementers of Families Count. Um, and so we're, we, were, we were partnered up in the days when this was nothing more than a dream um, and have seen God do some pretty amazing things. And so first of all, let me just say welcome to you guys. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Um, we, we're, having, we're having a good time in Birmingham hanging out um, with about 23 other churches that are, um, that are being trained and, and learning about Families Count and uh, just really wanted to sit down um, this morning and talk a little bit about the, the experience at Countryside and the experience uh, in Topeka and what you guys have seen and the ways that's shape you and the church and a lot of other things. So first of all, um, like just help, help the folks that are, that are listening, um, to get to know you a little bit. So tell us a little bit about your family and, um, and, and, and then where the Lord's kind of placed you in ministry. Okay. You taught me. Okay. Um, we, uh, as Rick said, um, my name's Nate. This is my wife, Julia. And we have seven kids. That's right. You can uh, do that again and cough out loud or whatever you need to do. Uh, we have children that are 12, uh, 12, ranging from age 12 down to uh, two boys that will be two this summer. Um, and out of that, uh, we have four daughters and three sons. Um, and uh, three of, uh, uh, four of them are biological children. Uh, and one, our adoption is finalized. Um, the other two... Um, we're in the process of finalizing that adoption, and the, all three of those adoptions have come out of foster care directly. And so um, uh, Julia is very busy at home on a daily basis, uh, even though we've been hanging and working hard with people while we've been here the last two days. In some small way, it's been a little R&R, and yeah. so uh, uh, she could probably speak more of that. But, yeah, so we have a busy house. It's good, um, but as you can hear, just even in that, with doing foster care, um, and then we we came into the knowledge and uh, the understanding of families count while we were in the middle of foster care, and so that God kind of primed that pump a little bit a few years ago uh, in preparing us to understand the the potential uh, the potential beauty that could come from a minute the ministry of with a curriculum like this, a class, the mentoring, all those pieces. Uh, and the need that was uh, very evident for um, at least families in our in the greater Topeka area. So, yeah. so part of I, I guess part of what the Lord used to really. 
to get you guys to this point was um, was your own experience in foster care right. and and really kind of seeing the the needs of the needs of families and and really getting to know some parents. Right. Um, like how did just kind of walk us through a little bit of, of maybe what the Lord did in your hearts to, um, you know, to incline you in that direction. I don't mean to laugh. The reason I, cause I don't mean to laugh, but like, uh, it's, it's, uh, I'll let Julia speak to a little bit the for how we got into, uh, foster care, because I'll be fair, uh, grew up in a Christian home, uh, most of um, my whole life. Um, I maybe heard of foster care. Um, but never saw anyone do that. I grew up in Iowa. Um, never, not that Iowa is the anti-foster care state, but I never, in our f- realm of influence or families that we ran with, like never, never saw that happening. And so, um, speak to a little bit, Jules, about the where we started with the adoption process so we, initially. We started out. Um, we were adopting from Africa. Um, we just felt a call to adopt and. After looking at all the different options out there, we felt like that was the most fitting for us. And so we we sought that out and started pursuing that journey and um, never set out to do foster care. But I remember in the beginning um, of our journey, a friend of mine who had adopted said, you think you're going to adopt from Africa, but the Lord's going to put you on a different path. You just watch. And I thought, well, that's strange. But sure enough, um, I reopened my home daycare because I knew funding this is it's expensive to adopt. And so we needed another full-time income. And so um, about six weeks after reopening, a little baby boy was brought into my daycare that um, then just a few weeks later needed a home. And since I had already been caring for him all day, he was just placed with us as a kinship placement. And so his adoption took a long time. Four and a half years later, we finally finalized. Um, but, you know, through that process, then um, Families Count kind of came into the picture. And just having a, um, seeing the, the need within some of the, well, our son's parents, uh, his biological parents, their, you know, their hard times and their situation. Like, I feel like God just kind of continued to, break down some walls and give us a heart and a compassion for the parents. Um, and, and I think that kind of really has played into why we have a heart for sharing the gospel through families count with, with other families and other mamas and daddies that just need to know the truth of Jesus. That's awesome. And, and, and really what Families Count does is, is it just positions the church to, to step into an, an obvious hard place in the system and, and a place that in most states it's kind of recognized as really being sort of a failure point in the system. And that's in, in family education, in, in parenting. Um, and, and so there's this sort of, um, you know, theoretical conviction that, that, that part of the reason these folks are struggling is because they don't know how to be parents or they don't know how to be a family. But, but the, the punchline is kind of that the education processes usually just don't work very well to help build that capacity. And, and so, um, through, um, Tracy Newell and, you know, some folks that are, um, you know, that are, that are part of our team here, the Lord just planted a vision to say, you know, what would happen if, if the church got involved in that space voluntarily? And, um, and, and we began to teach a parenting curriculum that was biblically based, that was gospel centered, that, that brought people into relationship with, 
um, you know, with Jesus, but also with the church and with right. the community. And, and so that's kind of what you guys, um, you know, kind of what you got into the middle of and, right. and you got into the middle of it in a day when there, there wasn't really like a super blueprint, right? We were, <laughs> we were feeling our way through it. All of us. call it a, a, bunch of copies of a piece of paper uh, with a staple in the corner and said, uh, yeah, that's kind of how it began, right? Yeah. We, we, you know, now on the other side of that, we say we were beta testing right. what was, uh, what was going on in families count. The truth is what we were doing is, is it was sort of that green beret moment where we put a knife between our teeth, jumped out of the helicopter and you know, we'll just figure everything else out as we, right. you know, as we go. Um, but, uh, but that's given you a really kind of a unique perspective right. to watch this, you know, watch this ministry grow and, and watch the way that, that maybe, you know, your, your church has grown and the way things have changed. And so Nate, just talk a little bit about, um, yeah. kind of just what you've seen the Lord do among your church and among right. his people by opening your, your yeah. hearts and open your lives to, to what are a lot of really difficult people. I think as a whole, I think it's it's kind of twofold. But as a whole, um, I think it the I, I struggle with calling it a curriculum because it makes it seem very uh, informational based. And really, to be fair, like the curriculum, it was put together in a beautiful way. But it, it really is a, the gospel share, sharing the gospel through the lens of 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 family hardship and and the scripture really teaches very boldly to how God invites us into his family. Uh, but for some, the word family is a, it, it's, it's not a, a real beautiful word because they haven't had a good representation or even I would say great, but not even good representation of what family is. And so for as the church, it, it, it gives a tool, uh, families count really is a tool of to grow, um, to grow the church spiritually in a heart of compassion and a better understanding of what the, how the gospel can look like, uh, what it can look like being played out on a day-to-day basis with just being you uh, and befriending and uh, extending, and, and we use a line, creating creating spaces for people who are far from God, right, in in your life. And so um, initially you kind of, you said that like we kind of jumped into it, not, you called it beta testing. Um <laughs> We called it, um, we called it faith now at the time. It's, it was Nate's, uh, not best leadership skills, right? To, to come back and say, we're going to do this. And our staff said, how? And I said, we'll, we'll figure it out because it starts in two months. And so, um, but what we found from the, as the church, it creates that, that space for them to do that, um, to live the gospel out. But also, um, I think it challenges us as Christians, those who've been followers of Christ. Like I said, I grew up in church, right? That um, challenges us to really kind of, this isn't the best phrase probably to use, but put put our money where our mouth is in, in ways. Just because uh, the one thing I hear a lot as a pastor um, from, from existed committed Christians, and it's not all come from a negative spot, just they're questioning, like, how do I do what God asks, is asking me to do? Like, how am I equipped or even fit to serve in any way? Mm-hmm. And this kind of, this, uh, this uh, model of ministry uh, with, this, with this curriculum really puts people in a myriad of positions and, and says that, uh, has an opportunity to put them in a myriad of positions to serve, that you don't have to be the greatest teacher in the world. Um, to be part of Families Count. You don't, you can be someone who is beautiful at cooking crockpot, 
and serving food and hospitality and loving on people. Um, you might be one who's great at one-on-one conversation. If you love coffee, this thing's for you, right? Because you can take someone to a cup of coffee and just be the place that they can vent and dump and bounce off of. So it's changed the church. Um, it's changed the church in a deep, a deep and uh, very um, real way. Um, but I have to be honest, it's, it's challenged the church too. And for anyone that's listening to this, especially leaders, you know, that any time in scripture that God's people are challenged, they're, they're faced with a choice and they're faced with a choice to either follow what God is placing on their heart or to stiff arm, uh, that happened with, was Jesus shared with his disciples and with others that were listening. And so, um, that's not a, that's not a negative thing. I actually think that's a very healthy thing because, um, we've seen it you as a tool to refine the church, uh, have God refine the church in, in a direction and with the heart that I think only he can give. That's awesome. Yeah. When, and when we use the term uh, curriculum, I'm going to, I'm going to be a geek for a second, but when we use the term curriculum, like we think of it in, in like the real like essence of the Greek word kind of thing, right. which was, which meant they were laying out a race course through the middle of the city. Right. And so it was like all the, all the potholes right. and the market and the people crowded around and all that, that was part of the race. Right. Right. And, and so this is not just about a, a, a book of lesson plans. Right. Um, that's, that's a piece right. um, that we're trying to teach some things intentionally, but it's really about creating life on life opportunities and, and, and taking things people can do. Right. You know, so um, you got somebody in your church and they're going like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to do this. And you, well, you, you got a car. Right. Right. Okay, good. Then you can give somebody a ride. Exactly. And, and that's, that's you, that's you taking somebody who doesn't, doesn't have a ride. And, and that's, that's part of their vulnerability. And, yes. and you step into that and, you know, making a difference. And, and I, I think what we've loved in the, in the middle of this is, you know, as, as our church has, you know, has, has gotten, you know, pretty, you know, pretty deeply entrenched in yeah. this is, is like, we're, like kind of pretty much everybody that's not spiritually on a pacifier is right. like somehow they're in this deal. Right. Um, and, and I know that's, you know, that's really indicative of, right. of you guys, but, um, but, but like, we also don't want to pretend that this was like one of those moments where, you know, the spotlight <laughs> shined on somebody and right. the music, it's like, it's tough and it's messy and people have, um, I, I love the man. I, I like. I can't not have you share the story about the lady that brought her dog to church. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it was a guy. He brought. Oh, guy. He, yeah. Okay. But yeah, he brought his dog to church. Um, and I don't know about who's ever listening, but um, we that's not normal. Like most of the time, right? And but there is that. There is the people that have service dogs, right? Yeah. And so thought, hey, this is a service dog, and um, I'll be very clear, um, not a service dog. Um, <laughs> Just the little rat terrier lap dog, right? And uh, um, and I don't know um, about you guys, but for us, uh, weird things usually happen in the front, right? And uh, so he sat right in the second row with his dog on his lap, feeding him like Scooby snacks uh, during during the service, <laughs> and um, with no regard. And um, and uh, and and I have to say, like that, <laughs> that's a stiff reminder of of how much uh, the church has embraced that um, we are going to position ourselves just to be available and connect with people at whatever place they're at in life. Right. Right. Uh, And, um, 
And I wish I could say that's the craziest experiences, but it definitely was one of a kind. It was one of a kind. We, we haven't had any cats or parakeets or hamsters lately, but um, definitely had the lap dog. And um, yeah, um, yeah, it was it was in one of one of a kind. And, and, I, and the reason the reason I say that is yeah. one one it's just hilarious, and we you know we laugh about the things that we end up seeing. But I but I think it's a really good kind of encapsulation of the fact that that part of what like it's going to stretch the norms, it's going to stretch right. the you know the the things that that maybe culturally we've kind of placed around church right. and. Um, and, and that's been ultimately really good right. for us and, right. and been good for our communities. And it's, it's caused us to go back and reflect a little bit and say, like, what are the essentials of the gospel? What's the, right. what's the stuff that really matters here? And so I, I love the fact that, that you guys continue to, to walk that journey and continue yeah. to struggle in the middle of that and refine it. And, you know, we, we all have our moments where stuff happens in the middle of this and we sort of clench right. up and go <gasps> like, we, you know, we can't do that or that's, right. and, and then, and then realize, well, yeah, we, we probably can. And um, I, I would say really probably the last thing that really have learned a lot in it is that, and I don't even know how to put this in a theological framework, right? I don't know if there's a word for it, but I think a lot of times we, we look for the Holy Spirit to move in our direction. Um, we look for the Holy Spirit to remove our angst or our tension or our burdens um, or God. We've all prayed that prayer. God, show me something. Right. And um, and I think through Families Count, what I've learned is, is sometimes and more times than not, God uses the movement of the Holy Spirit to challenge us and to remind us of that. Yes, you're part of my story. And yes, um, I want you I want to help write your story, but be mindful. <laughs> this is still my story, right? And so when the dude walks in with the dog, the, your first reaction would be, no, wait, oh. And then you have this nudging of a reminder of, wait a minute. Yeah, we probably aren't going to become a kennel, right? But, but on the flip side, but on the flip side, um, maybe that's what the Holy Spirit's doing in the moment. And so not always is the Holy Spirit meant to, his ministry isn't always to make us feel more connected. It's sometimes to stretch us, to remind, or remind us how much further and how much further we have to go in our journey. Uh, you're saying the navigating on the path, but also how much further others have to go. And at the end of the day, to be fair, I guess if we have 90 rat terriers in the service, um, uh, God's still present, right? And the Holy Spirit can still move. Um, and maybe even better than if there weren't the dogs in there sometimes. So that just made me think as you're speaking into that. And I, I, you know, I think you guys have been a great example to us and a great encouragement to us just, you know, through the, through the process of, of understanding that, um, that our, our role in this is to step out and to offer relationship and to offer the gospel and, and to leave the, to leave the results and to leave the, you know, the increase to the Lord. Right. And, and, you know, and there are some great stories and there's some, there's some stories that are not so great. And there's some that are right. still being written. Right. right. Yeah. Most and, definitely. you know, and, and I think just the perspective of, um, of, of really stretching in relationship. And so I, you know, just wanted, I would take this opportunity to say thank you to you guys. Cause you, you continue to, you know, to minister to us and continue to challenge us and, um, in, in ways that are profitable as a part of, 
you know, kind of a part of this whole community. <laughs> yeah, I laugh because we, we've heard that a few times, thanks. But the reality of it is um, if we if you guys hadn't written it or taken the time to put it together, um, we uh, we wouldn't have the tool. And, uh, and I keep calling it a tool, and that's not meant to be lessening. That's actually – it's helped refine the thought process in it because – it is a, it's a tool to just share the gospel and um, the, I think the gospel is called to be relational and um, it's us building a relationship with God through Jesus mm-hmm. right and so um, yeah so thanks to you guys for putting it together and, um, and trusting some small peon thinkers like ourselves to uh, <laughs> to, uh, to give it a go when there wasn't even a binder but rather just a, a stack of papers and we said hey we can do this and and I'm sure behind closed doors, Tracy was thinking, oh, no, like they actually came all the way to Alabama for this. Like we do have to let them take it with them. So um, the, there's a trust factor, partnership and appreciation both ways, I think. Absolutely. Well, as kind of as we, as we wind down today, one just one more question. Yeah. Um, so so there are people out there that are that are listening and and maybe this whole idea of families count and this whole idea of in, engaging at-risk families is something they feel like the Lord's tugging at their heart. Like what, what one thing would you guys say to them? You want to tackle that one there? Sure. Um, I think families count has just been really, well, it's been a very spirit led thing in our church. Um, at our church, we are, I guess, you know, we kind of want people to know when they walk through our doors that at, countryside we exist to raise up people to love like Jesus and so you know for the for anybody that's contemplating this like that's that's the beautiful thing of this like you are you are people that are trying to get other people on board with you to love people like Jesus would in their state of brokenness that's really you're coming alongside families that are that are really broken and um just loving them through simple, through simple things. Um, families count is set up to, you know, you come together and you have a meal, you serve them a meal, which many times these families are not having a hot meal at all throughout a week. Many times they don't even know sitting down at a table together to eat a meal. Like what people do this? Like genuinely, they don't know that that's something people do. They don't have a table. They're homeless. They're, they're in a, so often just such a state of brokenness. And so you're loving them through serving them a meal. And then you go through the class with them and, um, you just process through things that all of us, no matter what walk of life we're in, we all have struggled with all of these things. We all can relate. Um, but many times we just have people to walk alongside us. And many times the people's going, people going through this class have no one. And so, um, you know, the, the curriculum in the class, like you just can relate in all ways and all aspects of life. Um, you can relate to them and they can relate to you. And at the end of the day, I've said this time and time again, this is the one thing that I always come back to, um, the, the only difference between myself and some of the moms that sit in that room is that I have Jesus. I have a relationship with Jesus. And I was fortunate enough to, to be raised um, in a home that, that taught that to me. And I, I accepted Jesus young in life. Um, but, you know, many of them don't know anything about Jesus. And so 
this is an opportunity for them to learn. I, Nate said not long ago, this is this is very much a seed planting ministry. We don't always see these awesome, wonderful success stories and these, you know, conversions of people coming. We have, we do see those. They happen, but um, it it doesn't always happen. But this is definitely a seed planting ministry, and so you're able to give people hope. Um, and that's again, that's the one thing I always come back to. The only difference between me and some of them in such a hard place is Jesus and. So that's the hope that I have in Families Count for um, for all of them is that if they don't come to a relationship with Jesus immediately, that there's at least been a seed planted through this and the way they've been loved by our church um, through simple things like a meal or a mentor or like we kind of like to call it just a friend. They just need a friend. The mentor is a friend. Um, and so ultimately that's the goal is that they see Jesus in some way, even if it's just a small seed planted and you don't see it, you know, the fruit of that immediately, hopefully. It. I think the last thing to pay you off that, Rick, is the fact that I think what he's probably the, through this class and process, like we've been doing this now for just over three years now. And so um, <laughs> three years, three years is a lot in three years, but we'll say this is that um, I think what it, it, if there's one thing that, for people who listen, they're contemplating doing this or saying, Hey, what, what's in it that be prepared to face your own brokenness. And I, and I think, um, as facilitators, as a teacher, as a mentor, as the church that watches from afar, um, when you help or you begin hearing people's story of brokenness, if, if you lived in places of hurt in your life and, um, some of us grew up in situations where we were great at sweeping things under the rug. The problem was is dirt was still under the rug, right? That dirt comes out and, uh, it can be, it can be tough, but be prepared to do that even in small segments, because every time you teach it, you learn a little bit more in a generational cycle, right? Breaking a cycle, you go, Oh, that's why I still think that way. Or that's why I don't like that. Or that might be why I have a hard time connecting with that person. And so it's, it, it's, you have to be so careful not to come in to be the fixer because the reality of it in the process, God, I think is doing a work in fixing in us as we minister or rec- help people reconcile with God himself. So that's it. Man. Thank you guys so much. Um, it's uh I, I can I can truly say that um, you guys are some of our favorite partners and people that we we value deeply. And so, thanks for the investment that you're making in other churches and the way that you're um, you're helping to create community around um, this idea of, of connecting with um, with at risk families. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.